Welcome to Catching Cowboys. Join Dr. Muji, a psychology professor at the University of Ohio, and her daughter, Iyabode, a research scientist in California, on a journey of how to make the most of what life throws your way. We hope to make today's podcast as informative and lighthearted as possible. So sit back and join us on this adventure. Before we get started, if you have your own comments or questions, remember to send them to catchingcurveballs at gmail.com or DM us at Catching Curveballs Podcast on Instagram. And if you like what you hear, remember to rate, review, and tell your friends, family, and coworkers to listen. Hi, mom. How's life? Life is going well, my daughter. Thanks for asking. To start today's episode, I have another psychology news update from the American Psychological Association. Lately, psychologists are asking the question of what is happening to our casual relationships. This is because they have observed that while many of our close friendships are surviving the COVID-19 pandemic, due to opportunities to make Zoom calls and meet outdoors, our casual friendships are less likely to bridge that gap, leaving us without our normal catch-ups with acquaintances. According to Dr. Gillian Sandstrom, a social psychologist, when we are able to interact regularly with people outside our inner circle, we feel more like we are part of a community or of something bigger than we are. The author of this psychology news update explained that there is a reason we miss the people we did not even know that well. She focused on how much we miss all of those people we only somewhat know. She discussed how due to the pandemic, for most of us, social life entails spending time with one's families and closest friends. As a result, other friendships have fallen by the wayside and some of the things that contribute to people's happiness and well-being have also disappeared. She, however, notes that the loss of such friendships has presented an opportunity. The opportunity for us to begin to add people back into our lives, having recognized how it felt not having them in our lives. All the researchers the author spoke with were hopeful that the current extended pause due to the pandemic would give people more appreciation of how vital friendships of all types are to our well-being. In addition, this will help us better understand how all of those around us contribute to our lives, including those that occupy positions not given their due respect people like service workers or store clerks. Oh boy, do I have a lot to say about this one. First, I'd like to recommend everyone complete an exercise really quickly with me. Think about those you found some way to keep in contact with over the past year. Truly think about it. You might not have had a chance to see them in person, but somehow you found a way to keep in touch. Those people you found a way to connect with and who found a way to connect with you are your people. They're your tribe, your squad, your village. Please remember that even after the pandemic. Remember not to take them for granted because even during this chaotic and difficult time, they found it important enough to stay in touch with you and you did the same with them. What I'm next going to say is pretty controversial and slightly contradicts this news update. Not completely, just slightly. 
After the pandemic, or at least as the world reopens more and more, ask yourself about those friendships that quote unquote have fallen by the wayside. Were they truly healthy and fulfilling relationships? Because with the many avenues that exist to keep in touch with someone, I don't think there are many good reasons to justify a complete loss of contact. Of course, a change in the nature or even frequency of that contact likely was quite different this past year, but take the time to actually ask yourself a few questions about that friendship. Take a Marie Kondo-style approach to assess whether it was a friendship that truly sparked joy. For acquaintances, no comment, I get it. They're the icing on the cake, and we've had an entire pandemic without this icing, so of course it'll be delicious to have our entire cake back. Well, dear listeners, we're devoting an entire episode to strategies. Those are usually my absolute favorite part of any episode, so I'm overly excited about today's session. We covered positive psychology during our early days. It was our second episode, to be exact, the very first psychology topic. And now we're revisiting it, but this time to explore PPIs. PPIs in this context being positive psychological interventions. Mom, what are PPIs? Positive psychological interventions or PPIs are a set of scientific tools and strategies that focus on increasing happiness, well-being, and positive cognitions and emotions. They are methods for enhancing our quality of life. Unlike traditional psychological interventions whose primary goal is to reduce symptoms, the primary goal of PPIs is to raise positive feelings, positive cognitions, or positive behavior. According to two positive psychologists, all positive psychological interventions have two essential components. They focus on enhancing happiness through positive thoughts and emotions and on sustaining the effect for the long term. Anything possibly beneficial and durable is worth taking seriously. So when we think of PPIs, we can think of those strategies aimed at increasing positive feelings, thinking, and behaviors. And as we highlighted during our positive psychology episode, this isn't a branch of psychology that pretends as if the not-so-good doesn't exist. It's not an avoidance of the reality of life. Rather, it's a mindset shift to those aspects of life that help us flourish. Let's jump right into the types of PPIs. Can you walk us through the different categories and key features of each? A pair of positive psychologists categorize PPIs into seven categories. One category is savoring or relishing or enjoying PPIs. This type of intervention's emphasis is on a specific experience, and its objective is to enhance the intervention's effects for maximizing happiness. The major belief about such interventions is that they encourage people to seize every little aspect of an experience, be it physical, sensory, emotional, or social. Because of their emphasis on healthy awareness or observation, the severing PPIs are similar to mindfulness strategies, but they are not the same. Severing interventions can be connected to everyday experiences like eating, drinking, smelling, or observing, 
only with a little more orientation and focus to what we are consciously attending to. Researchers have shown that savoring PPIs are successful for treating depression and mood disorders because they produce happiness and self-satisfaction. I think for most of our listeners, you likely already know what it means to savor or relish something. But I loved this description by the positive psychology people so much I have to share it. Get ready, listeners. In their words, imagine a cold, blustery night and someone has just handed you a warm cup of hot cocoa as you pass from the cold outside to the warm indoors. You take a huge aromatic whiff, allowing the steam to warm your nose and to smell the delicious scent of melting marshmallows and chocolate as it softly awakens your senses and engages your mind into a state of sweet bliss and warmth. The cup warms your hands as you look around and see your friends and family laughing by the fire. You feel content and immersed in the moment. Years later, you can recall the mittens you were wearing, the smell of the hot cocoa, the fire warm and a glow, and the faces of each person there. The reason you are able to recall that memory so vividly is because you savored the experience through deeply engaging with the senses and environment so much that your mind automatically captured a snapshot and stored it for you. When we engage to deeper levels, we assign meaning and importance to a memory that can later be recalled with vividness as though we are reliving it. The positive psychology people also explain that when we savor an experience in a positive way, we fully engage in the experience. We're fully conscious and mindful of every detail we can take in and fully appreciate it. By practicing this technique, it intensifies and extends positive emotions. It quote unquote makes for wonderful days and afterglows. A second category of positive psychological interventions is gratitude interventions. The aim of gratitude-based positive psychological interventions is happiness. Research has shown that gratitude induces strong feelings of positivity in the giver and the receiver. Researchers have classified gratitude interventions into two versions, self-reflective practices For example, writing a gratitude journal that we keep to ourselves and use as a tool for self-expression and interactive methods where people actively express their gratitude to other people by saying thank you, giving small tokens of appreciation or paying gratitude visits. No matter the type of practice people engage in, researchers have shown that gratitude interventions are beneficial in increasing happiness and satisfaction. Gratitude is such a powerful emotion that several studies have shown that by simply recognizing and mentioning the events and the individuals that people would like to thank, they feel more positive and inspired. Fortunately, we've already devoted an entire episode to gratitude. So for any listeners looking for more strategies, head over to episode 13 once you get a chance. I know that for me, I found that episode very helpful, not only in understanding how gratitude has been studied and the potential mental health benefits, but also actual techniques we can easily incorporate into our everyday lives. 
A quote I recently came across is by the author Steve Maraboli, which states, quote, if you want to find happiness, find gratitude, end of quote. A third category of positive psychological interventions is kindness boosters. Studies have shown that kindness is a trait that all happy people possess and that happiness and kindness go hand in hand and complement each other. Positive psychological interventions that address compassion includes behaviors like volunteering for an honorable cause, making a donation, or assisting someone in need. Research has also shown that kindness strengthens happiness and positivity. Psychologists call an associated positive psychological intervention pro-social spending. Pro-social spending involves a person's willingness to buy or give another person something as a goodwill gesture. An example is a professor who gives students gas money for their vehicles so that such students do not miss classes. Note that it is not about how much money you spend. I love this one. Not to say I don't appreciate the others, but I've always been curious as to why it just feels good to be kind. Why is it there's such a thing as a helper's high? And I know I feel that helper's high pretty strongly. I did some digging and Cedar sinai as in the medical center, describes helper's high as being due to the release of dopamine. Those acts of kindness release this neurotransmitter, which then leaves us feeling euphoric or elated. But it doesn't just end there. Kindness also boosts oxytocin release and increases serotonin levels. Serotonin being the brain chemical that helps regulate our mood and oxytocin being the love hormone. It does far more than that, of course, but I think that's what most of us think when we hear oxytocin. This chemical cocktail doesn't have a long-lasting effect, though. It won't last for days or years, but continued kindness practices can sustain us and leave us reaping the benefits of this biological process. A fourth category of positive psychological interventions is empathy PPIs. Empathy-oriented positive psychological interventions center on reinforcing positive emotions in interpersonal relationships. Studies have shown that healthy social bonds, both personal and professional, are crucial for happiness and peace of mind. Positive psychological interventions that encourage empathy include activities like self-love meditation and mindfulness practices, where individuals create positive feelings towards themselves and others by being more mindfully connected to the present. Empathy-based interventions focus on forming relationships through effective communication and closing the space between oneself and other people. The essential principle underlying empathy-oriented positive psychological interventions is to let people understand other people's perspective and create a strong bond with them. Understanding other people's perspectives. Very nice. I believe a key component to this is empathetic listening. Empathetic listening being the style of listening to another person without judgment. Some phrase it as understanding first and then evaluating later. So listen without judgment, 
Pay attention to what isn't being said, including the speaker's tone, their body language, and their facial expressions. I know, mom, you're the quote queen, but I actually have another quote in mind when I think of empathetic listening. It's by another author, Simon Sinek, and he states, quote, there's a difference between listening and waiting for your turn to speak, end of quote. I love that quote, my daughter. A fifth category of positive psychological interventions is optimistic interventions. These produce positive outcomes when people come up with realistic expectations. An example of an optimistic positive psychological intervention is the imagine yourself test where people write down where they see themselves in the future. Research indicates that though this activity may seem easy, Non-directed or unstructured imagination helps people understand how positive they are about themselves and other people. Another optimism-oriented positive psychological intervention is the life summary technique. This procedure involves the notion that one is happy and prosperous. You then write a summary of your life based on that notion. In conducting this assessment, one pays attention to one's strengths, achievements, and all the abundance in one's life yet. I had never heard of the life summary technique until you shared it with me, Mom. I actually haven't tried it yet, so maybe I'll do so after we finish recording. But with this exercise, you put on the hat of being very happy, prosperous, everything's going well. Then you write down what your life looks like while you still have this all-is-well hat on. A sixth category of positive psychological interventions is strength-building measures. Positive psychologists describe people's strengths as their internal capacities and values. Studies have shown that awareness and acknowledgement of power help in reducing symptoms of depression and increases self-contentment. Strength-based positive psychological interventions are based on the premise that it is within oneself that one will find the strength one needs. Positive psychologists refer to such interventions as practical wisdom, and they assist us in using our energy sensibly. In other words, you have everything you need within yourself. It's just a case of finding that inner strength or practical wisdom. Something I find helpful with this is better understanding what practical wisdom in practice looks like. My favorites come from an article in Behavioral Scientist by Yael Schonbrunn and Barry Schwartz. My winner for best approach is the recognition of what we do know and what we can control. If we're feeling anxious or uncertain, think through what you can and can't control and take action based on those aspects within your control. Trust me, I know it isn't easy, but fixating on those aspects out of your control or focusing on elements you aren't sure of or have no clue about isn't helpful. I also appreciate their suggestion to avoid black and white thinking and importantly, learn to accept uncertainty. There's no perfect choice in life and each decision you make or path you take has its benefits, drawbacks, and uncertainties. I agree with you, my daughter. The final and seventh category of positive psychological interventions is meaning-oriented ones. 
This category of positive psychological interventions helps people understand what is meaningful to them in life and what they can do to achieve the things that matter in life. According to researchers, people who have clarity of goals and expectations are more likely to feel happier and content. Following Abraham Maslow's theory of needs hierarchy, the highest level of human needs, that is self-actualization, includes self-enhancement and self-esteem. Self-enhancement and self-esteem are associated with discovering the true meaning of life. Meaning-oriented positive psychological interventions include activities like finding meaning in one's daily activities, setting realistic goals, engaging in self-reflections as these relate to one's thoughts and emotions. Therapists use meaning-oriented positive psychological interventions to treat stress disorders, particularly for post-traumatic stress disorder, where people need help in finding the happiness in life that they have lost and to deal with the aftermath of an adversity. Realistic expectations and goals have been a theme in two of these PPIs, and I presume it's woven into all of them to a degree. What I really want to dig into deeper is Maslow's theory of needs hierarchy. I find this so fascinating. It's a five-tier model in which if you think of it like a pyramid, it ranges from our basic needs as human beings, which is at the base of the hierarchy, then psychological needs, which form the middle, and our self-fulfillment needs, which are at the very top. The way this is conceptualized is that the needs at the very bottom must be satisfied before we can then start to focus on those needs that are higher up. So all five needs, starting from our most basic vital need, are physiological needs such as food, water, rest. Then we have safety needs. For this, think of security, actual safety. Thereafter, belongingness and love needs, for example, family, intimate relationships, friends. Then esteem needs, which are feelings of accomplishment, respect, recognition. At the pinnacle, we then have self-actualization. This is the level my mom referenced, the peak of human needs. This is the desire for us to reach our full potential. Okay, mom, we've covered the PPI categories. Now on to a natural follow-up question. In general, how effective are these interventions? Although there is research evidence regarding the helpfulness and value of positive psychological interventions, researchers are still exploring the reasons for why. With one intervention in particular, the Savoring PPI, a 2015 study examined the relationship between savoring positive experiences and psychological well-being for older adults with higher and lower levels of resilience. The results showed that older adults had a greater ability to savor positive experiences and higher resilience predicted greater happiness, lower depression, and greater satisfaction with life, that is, greater psychological well-being. In terms of the PPIs in general, researchers have shown that these interventions are effective for treating depression, anxiety, and stress disorders. 
In one study conducted on terminally ill adolescent patients, the objective of the study was to evaluate how positive thinking influenced coping strategies and helped the patients battle their disease with resilience. The investigators used positive psychological interventions to treat the teenage cancer patients and observed improved coherence or reasoning and better stress management. Investigators of a 2019 study evaluated the effects of positive psychological intervention on Parkinson's disease patients. The researchers concluded that positive psychological intervention effectively relieves the depression and cognitive dysfunction of Parkinson's disease patients, which is of great significance to improvement of their survival and quality of life. Very often, when we hear that we should savor the moment or practice gratitude, show kindness and empathy, find meaning in our lives, it sounds so simplistic. But truly, these studies highlight that these practices, the PPIs we've covered today, can help us navigate even the most painful and challenging circumstances. If in terminally ill cancer patients and those with Parkinson's disease, researchers were able to observe improved stress management, decreases in signs of depression, and improved cognition, then all of us have a chance. That's not the most elegant way to put it. Trust me, I know. But that's the only way I can at this moment. All right, mom. On that note, I think we're ready for your quote for today. My quote is by an unknown source. I am in competition with no one. I have no desire to play the game of being better than anyone. I am simply trying to be better than the person I was yesterday. End of quote. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for spending time with us. Yes. We want to hear from you. Give us feedback on what you heard today and suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss in future episodes. You can email us at catchingcurveballs at gmail.com. That's catchingcurveballs, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, remember to follow us on Instagram for much more content at Catching Curveballs Podcast. That's Catching Curveballs Podcast. And as always, remember to rate, review, and tell everyone you know about the podcast. We cannot wait to connect with you soon.